Listen, guys, we are concluding the, uh, uh, the sermon series that we've been in for the last seven service, uh, sermons. So this will be number seven, and uh, the series is entitled Living a Holy Lifestyle. We've talked about the power to living a holy lifestyle is grace. Grace. It's not how hard you work. It's, it's how you believe. And uh, one of our focal passages was found in the book of Ephesians. Watch this. For, the, for by grace, what? You have been saved through? Come on, say it with me. For by grace, you have been saved through? Faith. That's right. Not of ourselves. It's a gift of God. So you access that gift through belief, through faith. Not of works. Least anyone should boast. That means no one, not, not one of us has permission or even the opportunity to stand before God's presence or anybody else's presence and say, look what I've done. But instead, look what God has done by his grace. For we are God's, what, workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works. You say, well, wait a minute, pastor. It's by faith. But then he turns around and says, it's, it, first he says, it's not by works. It's by faith. Then he says, it's for good works. That's right. It's not by works, but it's for works. Amen? Well, well, let me put it to you this way. We said faith is the root, not the fruit. Faith is the root. That's our position. Obedience is the fruit. That's our practice. So when you know your position, that's when you can, you can, you can have that evidence that strengthens your faith. The Hebrew writer puts it this way. Now, faith is what? the substance and the evidence of things hoped for, but yet you don't see it, you see the fruit of it. You don't see the root, you see the fruit of it. And so that evidence is very important because it makes a good testimony. It's what other people see as well. It's how you live your life for the honor and glory of God. We said you believe first and then you walk it. Here's the cycle. You believe first, then you walk it. The more you walk, the more evidence you have, you start to believe it even stronger. Now you believe, you, 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 your faith continues to grow is what I'm trying to say, and you walk even more. You believe even more, you walk even more. It's a beautiful cycle where you go from glory to glory. Isn't that what God says in the New Testament? I want to move you from what? Glory to glory to glory. That's so that you might what? Have a testimony bringing me glory as you become closer and closer in the appearance of my son. That's the key right there. You say, but faith is a, is a funny thing. It's hard to kind of keep them separated, works and faith. Well, let me put it to you this way. There was a man, he was a businessman, and he fell on some hard times. He was really, really struggling. Maybe it was around 2008 during the crash, and he was about to lose his business. He was going bankrupt. He was going to lose his home. They were going to be destitute, and so in his desperation, he begins to cry out to God and say, Lord, please do a miracle in my life, God. I need a miracle, and as he's praying, he begins to pray, Lord, there's the lottery coming up. I would love to win that lottery. It would solve my problems. And so he prays and the, the night comes. The numbers are red. and He doesn't win. Oh, now it's getting even more desperate. He begins to pray harder. God, I would really, really would like to win, God. That's about the only hope that I have. And the, the, day, the night comes. The numbers are red. He still doesn't win. So he prays even harder. The night comes. The numbers are red. I mean, he's, 
He's a couple of days from being evicted. He's a couple of days from being foreclosed upon. He's a couple of days from everything falling apart. And he begins to cry out on his knees, Lord, you've always been faithful. God, I can't, I can't do this on my own. I'm, I'm begging you, God, have mercy, son of David. Just then a bright light begins to fill the room and he begins to hear this voice from heaven as God begins to speak to him and say, Meet me halfway, buy a ticket. <laughs> Some of you took that way too serious. Uh, you go, whoa, 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 wait a minute. Listen, we said last week, I think James put it best when he said, faith by itself is dead. Faith without works. That means you can say you have faith, but you got to go buy the ticket. You got to actually, you say, well, I don't believe in the lottery you're missing the point. The point is, it's what we do that matters as well. And so we talked about, you go, well, pastor, where should I start? I have faith. I'm saved. Where should I start? We said five things that every Christian should incorporate into their walk. Number one, baptism. Number two, the Lord's Supper. We covered those in detail last week. And we talked about the spiritual significance and the healing power of those. Both of them healed something very special in me or something very significant in me. Baptism healed my identity crisis that I was having as a young child. The Lord's Supper healed me from a, from a condition that was threatening my life for over 20 years, and I was healed by the Lord's Supper. Today, I want to talk to you about the Lord's Day. I don't have a lot of time, so I want to go quickly through it. But in the book of Hebrews, the, the, the Bible uh, says this, and let us consider one another in order to stir up love and good works. Notice, we stir up good works in each other. We make each other better. That means our walk is improved by your interaction with another person with another Christian, with your church. It says it right there. Let us stir up one another with love and good works, not forsaking the assembling together of ourselves as some are in the habit. One, one particular version says, as some have, have become uh, in the habit of doing. That means we should have another habit. We should have a habit of honoring God's day, honoring God by one day out of the week, giving it back to him. You know, the Bible talks about this in the law. In the book of the law, Exodus chapter 16, the Bible talks about honoring the Sabbath. And you might say, but pastor, wait a minute. We don't live under the law. We live under grace. And I showed you how, how in the law, God instituted certain things that he ended up fulfilling under the covenant of grace. Last week, I said that under the law, uh, Baptism was a fulfillment of the circumcision. And, and I showed you that from the New Testament. I showed you also that the Passover was the, the legal requirement for the, the Jewish community. But in the New Testament, it's the Lord's Supper that's the fulfillment. Well, the same thing happens in the Lord's Day. You have the Sabbath in the law, and then you have Sunday the, the eighth day when they celebrated, that's the first day of the week celebrating new beginnings. Eight is new beginnings. Uh, it's the first day giving God your first fruits, 
which is, which is very, very, very significant. I wish I could go through it all, but, but trust me on this. Read with me the law and how Moses gives this idea of honoring God one day a week. Here we go. This is what the Lord commanded. Tomorrow is to be a day of Sabbath rest, a holy Sabbath to the Lord. So bake what you want to bake and boil what you want to boil. Save whatever is left and keep it until morning. So they saved it until morning as Moses had commanded, and it did not stink or get maggots in it. Eat today, Moses said, because, to, because today is a Sabbath to the Lord. You will not find any of it on the ground today. Six days you are to gather it. But on the seventh day, the Sabbath day, there will not be any. So what is, what is going on here? They're in the desert and God is feeding them from heaven the manna. The, the bread from heaven. This represents Jesus. I, I wish I could go into all the symbolism and how God fulfills the Sabbath on, uh, on Sunday with the resurrection of Jesus, the bread of life from heaven. Now, now I, I need you to trust me on this because what God is literally saying, everything you have in terms of provision comes from me. It's from my hand that every blessing flows. And when we connect with that as a Christian, we are free because we understand that it's not the White House that brings us uh, provision. It's not the economy or the Federal Reserve. It's not our position and standing in the world. It's God who provides for us. It's God who provides for us. You say, but he uses those things. Well, I'm not clueless. I know that. But it's God who provides, and our faith should be in him. So this is important because he says this to them. He says, when, when they tried to gather and save for an extra day during the week, they were doing it for one of two reasons. Greed or they thought they had a need. That's our motivation as humans. Because we are so limited, we, we have a hard time understanding God's limitlessness. He is limitless. And so we have a tough time understanding it. And we want to be able to hedge against the fact that we may not have enough. There may be uh, more, there may not be enough to go around. Some of us grew up with a scarcity mindset because we grew up poor. We grew up during a certain economic time. We grew up with, with a family struggling and we had too many children or, or there were too many brothers and sisters or whatever was going on. And we always felt that we had to look out for ourselves. And God is saying, I don't want you to be that way with me. I want you to know that I will always provide for your needs. So when they tried to store it up, it would rot, it would stink, it would grow maggots. And then you say, well, well, pastor, why is this significant to me? Because some of us are trying to work on God's day and and I'm here to tell you, you will not reap a blessing. You're spinning your wheels if you work on God's day. Not only are you spinning your wheels, you're burning the candle at both ends and you are not being replenished, revived, renewed. And sooner or later, the stress and the extra work will catch up to you and you will shave years off of your life. So the best thing you can do is say, I trust you, God. I trust you. But on the, on the, 
On the sixth day, he said, I give you permission to store up for the next day and watch how I provide for you. You say, but pastor, um, I don't see how this plays out in the New Testament. Well, if you go to the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus Christ is showing he's the fulfillment of the Old Testament and he's going straight to the law. He's saying things like, you've, Sermon on the Mount, you've all heard it said, thou shalt not commit murder, but yet I tell you. He says, you've all heard it said, thou shalt not commit adultery, but yet I tell you. You guys have all heard it said, thou shalt not lie, but yet you bear false witness all the time. Let your yes be yes and your no be no. He's covering all sorts of aspects from the law, showing the fulfillment of it. And here he addresses the Sabbath. There at the end of, of chapter six of Matthew, right in the middle of the Sermon on the Mount, verse 19, he goes into treasures in heaven. And then from treasures in heaven, he goes into do not worry in verse 25. So treasure, uh, treasures in heaven are from 19 to 24 and 25 to 34, go, uh, he covers do not worry. How is this the Sabbath? Let me ask you a question. Why would you not honor the Sabbath? What are the two reasons? There's two reasons you would not honor the Sabbath. One, greed, treasures in heaven. See, Jesus is saying, stop being so greedy. Don't fall in love with the materialistic God of this world that always has you wanting, wanting. I need more, I need more, so I need an extra day to work for more. Oh, pastor, that's not me. I'm not a greedy person. No, fear then, that's you. Do not worry. I'm not a greedy person. I just worry about like what to eat, what to wear, where to live. Jesus covers the second reason we don't honor the Sabbath because we're so worried we think we need that extra day of working. Ooh, pastor, that was good. Amen. Amen, right? <laughs> Some of you are like, I don't know if I like this. He's about to put me on the hook for coming every week. No, the Sabbath is more than just coming to church. The Sabbath is turning your heart to God. And allowing him, listen to what he says. Just, just, just read with me for a second. Verse 19, do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and vermin destroy and where thieves break in and steal. But store up for yourselves treasures in heaven where moth and vermin do not destroy. Thieves cannot break in and steal. For where your treasure is there, your heart will be also. Keep that in mind. Where your treasure is there, your heart will be also. Stay with me on this. The eye is the lamp of the body. I'm going to cover this in, in my New Year's Eve sermon, so I just want to highlight that there. Highlight it for yourself. The eye is the, the light of the body. He's going to talk about later on in the book of 1 John how the lust of the eyes gets you in a lot of trouble. The lust of the eyes. But, but stay with me on this. You cannot, verse 24, serve two masters. Either, either you will love the one and hate the other, or love the other and hate the one. But you cannot serve me and materialism, Jesus says. And this is why we break the Sabbath or the Lord's day when we think we need more. And we're trying to keep up with this, this sick society that constantly has to have more toys, bigger this, bigger that, faster, uh, smarter. Everything is always about more, and yet Jesus says here, trust me on it. Now let's go to the do not worry part. Therefore I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink or about your body, what you will wear. 
Don't worry about the necessities. Watch this. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothes? Look at the birds of the air. They do not sow nor reap or store up away in barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not more, much more valuable than they? Can any one of you, now here's the key, can any one of you increase his lifespan by worrying? This is a rhetorical question with significant meaning. What Jesus is saying here, not only will you not extend your life, you will actually shorten it. It will rot. It will have maggots. It will begin to... Do you know the number one cause of death in America is stress-related illnesses? So Jesus, my wife, is going, get back on the platform. <laughs> I'm supposed to stay on the platform because it makes it easier to, to record it. And so I, I just want to have you consider, honor the Lord. You will, have, you will be blessed in more ways than you can ever imagine. One day I'll go through the entire message on honoring God on his day. But he will revive you and replenish you, not only physically, but emotionally and spiritually. And he will cause your children and your family to be blessed. And he will cause the work of your hands to increase. Number two, giving. Giving is very, very important. Giving, as a matter of fact, the Bible talks about giving all the time. Jesus put it this way. He says, freely you have received, now freely give. If you are a child of God, if you are born again, then you receive the power of the Holy Spirit. He says, I have given you a gift of immeasurable worth. Go out and share it with others. Go share it with somebody. You say, oh, pastor, I don't, I don't have much to share. We'll talk about that in a second. Keep that question. But listen to what else he says. He says, in case you're wondering why I should give, it's more blessed to give than to receive, the Bible says in the book of Acts. Acts chapter 20, Jesus himself said, it is more blessed to give than to receive. How so? Well, Psalm says, blessed is he who considers and gives to the poor. You're blessed when you give. Listen to, the, listen to Proverbs 11, therefore, or excuse me, there is one who scatters, yet increases more. Now, what does it mean to scatter? It means that he generally just gives. He doesn't say invest. He says gives. Invest is a different. Invest is he plants. He's doing it as a business. Scatters means I'm not expecting a return from, for you. I'm just giving it. But watch. He increases more. And there is one that withholds. And watch what happens to that. But leads to poverty. Do you know the Wall Street Journal wrote, wrote an article a couple years back saying, uh, saying that, that there is a phenomenon that those that give, their business tends to increase. How many of you believe that? It's right here in God's word. A wiser man than the Wall Street Journal wrote it, and it's Solomon. He was, he was declaring God's principle in the earth. This is how it works. You plant a seed, right? Uh, how many seeds does it take to, uh, to, to bring forth an apple tree? One. But yet, how many apples can you harvest from that seed? See, God says this, give and it will be given back to you. Press down, shaken together, running over. That means you give one seed, but I'm going to give you more than you can handle. 
You got to trust me in it, though, is what God is saying. It's about faith, but faith needs to have legs. Faith needs to walk. Faith needs to live. Amen. Listen to what the Proverbs says in Proverbs 22. He who has a generous eye will be blessed, for he gives of his bread to the poor. What does it mean? It means when you have a generous eye, you have a generous heart because the eye is the window of the soul. And so a generous eye literally means your perception of things. You gotta let go when you come to Jesus of the scarcity mindset. The scarcity mindset has to do with fear, but God's perfect love drives out all fear. Why? Because the cattle on a thousand hills belong to my God. And if he trusts me, I can give it away and he'll trust me with more. And the more I give away, the more he'll trust me with. And the more I give away, the more he'll trust me with. I gotta let go of the fact that I grew up in a home where I was always fighting for mine. God's home is not like an earthly home. God's home has more than enough provision. God has more than enough for you. You know, you can say like the psalmist said, I've seen a lot of things in my life. I've seen poor and I've seen people hurting and I've seen all sorts of things. But the one thing I've never seen is the righteous forsaken or God's children begging for bread because God takes care of his own. I'm talking about a faith that leads us to generosity. Why should we be generous? For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whosoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. The reason we should give is because we reflect God. But not only do we reflect God, we connect with God. You want to connect with the loving father? You want to really get to know him? Start giving. Start giving. Jesus highlights a very important way to give. Give with your heart. Someone came out of first service and says, Pastor, you want us to give everything away? You want us to, to, I said, I said, do you know I've seen rich people greedy, but I've also seen rich people very generous. I've seen poor people greedy. And I've seen poor people very generous. What Jesus was saying is this, give with your heart because when you give with your heart and you trust me, then I have your heart. And it's not just something you say, it's something you live. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. I'm asking you to treasure God. Treasure him with all your heart. Let him give you eyes to see needs. Let him prick your heart to say, I need you to give. I need you to scatter here. He who gives as God beckons him to lends to God. How many of you know God pays his debts? Number five, discipleship. One of the most valuable things God has given you is a measure of truth. You cannot have faith if you don't have revelation. God reveals himself, and then you have a choice to believe. So each and every one of us has had a certain measure of faith. I want you to share that faith in discipleship. There's three relationships that everyone should have in this church, 
And those three relationships are, are right up here. Someone that you're pouring into, a peer, and someone that's pouring into you. Pastor, I'm not ready to pour into anyone. That's the wrong mindset. That's not the giving heart. If you have a little bit of faith, there's always someone that could benefit from you pouring that into them. But pastor, it's so little. Can I tell you, until you start pouring, it's going to remain small. If you're faithful with the little, God can trust you with more. So this is how it works. I have just this little understanding of God's word. Do you know in the, in, in, in the Chinese church, it's growing like wildfire. And there are young girls, 15 years of age. There's young boys, uh, 15 years of age that are shepherding 500 people. Why? Because they were faithful. They had one verse. They would they'd tear up the Bible and they tear up different passages in that Bible and they hand them out because, because Bibles are so valuable. Not one person can take the whole thing. So if you come to salvation with John 3, 16, because that's all you have for God so loved the world that he gave his only son and you come to salvation, they start pouring it into somebody else and uh, uh, not long after, God just multiplies it and then you have 500 new converts. Isn't that amazing? But here in America, we have the entire Bible. We have CD-ROMs. CD-ROMs are old. We have the internet now. We have all these things. And yet we're like, we got to keep getting more and more and more. It doesn't work that way. You've got to let it flow through you. And as you pour that little bit you have, God will give you more. And you pour that little bit more, and God will give you more. And God will continue to multiply it. You say, oh, pastor, I need someone to pour into. Amen. I need someone to share with, a friend. Amen. Iron sharpens iron. But you also need someone to pour into you. This is where we finish. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son. I want you to watch this short video.
But you, O Bethlehem Ephrathah, who are too little to be among the clans of Judah, from you shall come forth for me one who is to be ruler in Israel, whose coming forth is from old, from ancient days. Therefore, he shall give them up unto the time when she who is in labor has given birth, and he shall be their peace. A reading from the scroll of the prophet Micah. This one's good. Thank you. Thank you. Teacher, I have a question about the Messiah. I've studied Torah every day a and... A shepherd wants to learn. Yes. Do you believe the Messiah will set us free from the occupation? Yes. He will make a great military leader. Are you sure? Just because... Last Shabbat, the priest read from Prophet Ezekiel, and he did not say... How dare you? I'm sorry, teacher. He is obsessed. You brought this animal? I said spotless. Spotless? Yes. These are for righteous men. For the perfect sacrifice. Very sorry. Very sorry. Very sorry. You wonder why the Messiah hasn't come? People like you keeping him away with your stains. If you come back here without a perfect lamb, I will banish you all from the marketplace. Now, come, come. I warned you about this. Are you deaf as well as lame? I'm sorry. We are not slowing down for you. You take this run back up to the hill and try and keep up. Or find your own way back. People who walked in darkness have seen a great light. Those who dwelt in a land of deep darkness, on them has light shone. You have multiplied the nation. You have increased its joy. They rejoice before you as with joy at the harvest, as they are glad when they divided the spoil. For the yoke of his burden and the staff for his shoulder the rod of you his oppressor, you want to listen? No, this is a holy place. Please, you are filthy. Go. For every boot of Get the out. warrior in battle tumult, 
and every garment rolled in blood will be burned as fuel for the fire. Strengthen the weak hands. Excuse me, friend. Could you point me to a well in this town? My wife hasn't had a drink in hours. The other end of the square. Thank you, brother. Oh, wait, 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 wait. Here. Oh, thank you for your kindness. How far have you come? From Galilee, Nazareth. Don't say that too loud here. You know, they say, uh, Nothing good can come from... I know what they say about Nazareth. Don't worry, I won't tell anyone. Secret safe with me. Thank you for your kindness. And my name is Simon. Out of my way. We must go. an anxious heart be strong. Fear not. Behold, your God will come with vengeance, with the recompense of God. He will come and save you. Then the eyes of the blind shall be opened, and the ears of the deaf unstopped. Then shall the lame man leap like a deer, and the tongue of the mute shall sing for joy. A reading from the scroll of the prophet Isaiah. Yes, well, next time I will wipe my hands with his robe. You would faint. A Pharisee is so cheap. When he writes his will, he names himself as the heir. <laughs> <laughs> and then he still doesn't get much. No. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Finally, he's back. Uh, Hello, uh, Simon. <coughs> Stay with the sheep. He is useless. Why do you keep him around? He's a good boy. Uh, yeah. You want some dinner? Finally. Aaron made dinner tonight, so <laughs> nothing is cooked. Oh, yes. <laughs> the food is fine. It's my grandmother's recipe, so leave it alone. <laughs> yeah, then that is why your grandfather left. Again and again. Hey, take whatever they want. Oh, I wish that woman wouldn't have left the well. Oh, she was she was very, very beautiful. pretty. Very pretty. Mm. Very beautiful. Can I have my dinner now? Not with us. No. Your plate is over there. 
after what happened this morning. You sleep with the sheep tonight. And pay attention this time. And watch out for wolves. Watch out for the Pharisee. He might come after you. <laughs> a Roman took another sheep yesterday. Simon, they're talking about the Romans again. But they've cooked it right in front of me. You're, you're lucky. You're lucky enough? you're not part of this conversation with Romans again and again. Let them good pay. Good pay. They take, they take whatever they want. Let's talk about something else.
give you a sign. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son. And shall call his name Emmanuel. shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. 
Of the increase of his government and of peace there will be no end. To establish it and to uphold it with justice and with righteousness from this time forth and forevermore. I told you not to come back here. So where is it? Have you found a spotless lamb for sacrifice? part of an incredible mini-series titled The Chosen. The Chosen. This is just the pilot for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whosoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. All authority, Jesus said, in heaven and earth are mine. Therefore, I commission you to go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey all things that I have commanded you, and lo, I will be with you always to the very end of the age. Go. Freely you have received, now freely give. As our prayer partners come up, I pray that the Holy Spirit is speaking to you right now. I pray that you would open your heart and receive the gift of life. That you would receive encouragement and hope in this holiday season. That you would open up your heart and your life and say, Lord, I, I want more of you, Lord. I want to be filled, Lord, to the brim that I may be able to pour out into others. I want that living water, that living fountain flowing in me. May you connect with the King of glory who came and died for you and me. My invitation is simple today. Respond to the calling of the Holy Spirit. I don't know what he's putting on your heart. It may be to pray for yourself, maybe to pray for somebody else. One thing I can tell you is this. You cannot share what you don't have. So before you can go and tell someone, you've got to know it. And you might be at that point where you say, Lord, I need your hope. I receive. I want to be filled. I've been discouraged and I just... I want to connect with the gospel message of hope again, Lord. I'm going to ask you to just be obedient to the Spirit of God and come and pray with somebody. We want guys to pray with guys and girls with girls. But I'm going to ask you to come up. The altar's open. 
We've been practicing something in this church. We're a disciple-making church. That, that, therefore, I don't pray over you. You pray with one another. Because each and every one of us has the opportunity to have a relationship with God. It's called the priesthood of the believer. You can go to God where two are gathered in my name and they touch and agree, I shall be there. May the Holy Spirit lead you. Let's pray. Come on up. Come on up. Those who don't, want to, don't feel led to pray, would you sing with our worship team? Let's all stand.